So net before I begin, um, uh, so my name's Derek, and uh, it's my lovely wife, Teresa, my son, Timmy. I have two other older children. I know there's some people visiting, you maybe don't know who I am, but I do serve on Mo's team, and, and what, I, what a privilege it is to serve on his team. It's a real honor, Mo. Ek is die ou loo in die pak, so ek is die ou toppie, en dan het ons hier die jonger manne, en for an old lion to, to, young, to, to, to run with these young lions is just such a privilege, and especially Mo, I've just so enjoyed just the way he's led us in the last few months, Mo. Maar um, net voor ek begin, die man wat haas er met die grys baie aan, langs die dame met die rooi, ja, jy, jy, ek, ek wil graag net vir jou iets van die Heere geef vir oogend, as ek mag. Is dit recht so? Um, ek het gevoel dat die Heere vir jou dit sê, sy skrif uit Psalm 34, en het sê, ek het die Heere aangeroep, en hy het my geantwoord, God het my gered, uit die doodsgevare uit, en ek wil vir jou sê vir oog, en ek voel God sê vir jou, dat hy jou gebed voor, en dat hy jou raak sien, God wil ek met jou bemoedig verochend, en het sê, moet nie ophou om boon toe te kyk nie, vind die stil plek, vind die plek van nederigheid voor God, en God sal jou aanraak. Amen. Amen. Ek wil net vir jou, ek ken jou glad nie, so baie dankie dat ek net die vir jou kan geef verochend. So, quickly, where is Nielen? Where is my friend Nielen? Nielen, come pop up here, where are you Nielen? Quickly unplugged. Uh, I want to do this very quickly. I'm going to be talking this morning on um, accountability. And uh, I did this at um, the, the leaders group in, uh, when we went away. Uh, I, I shared some of this message with the leaders in the church um, on accountability. But to show you that I'm also accountable. Ons in Mos, lekker gesit in die tuin, nee, Niel en Inniewek, nee, daar by die boom, by die braai plek. En um, toe gesels ek en jou blikkie oor die lewe, and, um, and uh, we were keeping each other accountable, and it was a bit where we were in the house, and I was in And then you talked to me about Lulu a bit, and I asked you a bit about Teresa, and I asked you a bit about Teresa, and I asked you But in essence, we were holding us accountable to each other, am I right? Who was it for you? So I can't say your heart had so much growth, because I last seen it last so, <laughs> um, no, so, Derek, that was, um, you know, that's, that's a special thing. So, so I think, I think when, when I very first uh, came to your house, there was an expectation of, of a lot of questions. There was a lot of things that um, I thought I could learn from you. And in, in essence, you know, the things that I've learned was, was not the things that I kind of had in, had in mind. Um, and one of, one of the things that um, I've probably forgot everything um, that, that we've talked about, not, not everything, but um, so, so Derek said this, said this one thing to me, um, not, not uh, do you love your wife or because I think all of us you know, we, we love our wives because we married them. But Derek said, how well do you love your wife? <laughs> and um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that I'll always remember. In, in, um, as, 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 sal Lulu by voorbeeld van jou sê, um, um, Nielen, 
you're not loving me well at the moment. So this is if you have it so so should I should I tell that? The other day <laughs> the, well joking jokingly, yes, yes, she did. She she actually said the other day, I'm I'm gonna tell Derek uh, that you're not <laughs> I'm gonna tell Derek that you're not loving me well. <laughs> The reason why I'm sharing this, and I know I can, you know, I mean, we, we have a good relationship. And in, I get so gelacht and over my cell, as, 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 I know not to great do it, then Sal, Lulu by phone, Sal, I have a Derek to tell. I get so gelacht over your story. But then I said to you, there are times when I don't do well either. Am I right, Neelan? There are times when I, I really want to love Therese with all my heart, and I really do well, and then completely. So it's not you doing bad and me doing good. It's both of us holding each other accountable as brothers in the Lord. Eh? Yeah. Awesome. Yes, yeah, so awesome. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So I wanted to show you that practically, quickly this morning about accountability. That before you think we stand up here and we preach about things that we don't love that we hold ourselves accountable to, uh, to do what we do. What we, in other words, we preach about it, we live it. We don't just talk about these things, we actually live these things. Amen? And so this morning I'm going to be talking about just two facets. There's two sections I'm going to be talking about in the area of accountability. And the first one is what does it mean to receive authority well? And that might sound a bit strange to you. And then the second part is just some practical stuff on accountability. And I'm going to read quite a long piece of Scripture this morning because I really believe this is key for us uh, in the life of the church at the moment. Uh, you know, we've been fasting, we've been praying, a lot of things have been surfacing, offenses surfacing, sin surfacing, and we need to hold each other's lives accountable. And I'm going to be talking about that this morning. But I'm going to start to read. It's a long passage of Scripture, so you need to bear with me. But it's a very important passage of Scripture. This is Jesus' first message. Uh, um, and uh, it's very beautiful in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. I'm going to try to read a little bit quicker because I've got to get through a number of verses. But there's a number of things in here that I actually want to highlight for us. And it's the way that they received Jesus. In other words, when Jesus first came to the town of Nazareth and he's preaching this message, I want to highlight the way they received Jesus. And I want you to see Jesus as the supreme authority. He's the king, he's the Lord, he's the supreme authority. And we're going to have a look at how they just received him. So in verse 16, it's quite amazing. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, isn't that incredible? I mean, this scripture, the Spirit of the Lord, this, this part where he was handed the, um, the book of Isaiah was written 700 years. To me, I said to you 400 years, my boy, I was wrong. Your dad was wrong. It was 700 years before Jesus stands up and he says this, the Spirit of the Lord 
is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has set me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, gave it back to the tenant, sat down, and all eyes were fixed on him in the synagogue. And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today. Seven hundred years later. And you know, it's so interesting. Sometimes people talk about the authenticity of the Bible and whether it's true. It's amazing that a prophet 700 years prior could write a scripture with foreknowledge 700 years into the future, seeing in detail the coming of the Messiah. And, be, and he began to, uh, um, so, he, so all bore witness to him, and I want to show you this, all bore witness to him and marveled at his gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, is this not Joseph's son? And so they marveled at his gracious words. Wow, that's incredible. That's beautiful. They marveled. They were so amazed at Jesus' beautiful words. And he said to them, very unusually, he just says, you will surely say to the proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever you have heard done in Capernaum, remember the town Capernaum, they're in Nazareth at the moment, do also in your country, which is Nazareth. Then he said to them, I certainly say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, and when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout the land. But to none of them, Jesus said, to none of these widows were um, the Elijah the prophet sent, except for the, uh, uh, the widow of Zarephath. And then he goes on to say, and there were many lepers in Israel's time, um, and Elijah the prophet was sent to none of them but Naaman the Syrian. And then all of a sudden, verse 29. Now, I want to just remind you a few verses back. Verse 22, five verses back, they said to him, Man, your words are so gracious, you're so beautiful, and they were just so marveling at Jesus. And then all of a sudden, verse 29, and they rose up and thrust him out of the city. They wanted to stone him and kill him. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. But of course, it wasn't his time, and he passed through the midst of them. And that's amazing how in five verses you can go from marveling and being gracious and how amazing you are to five verses later saying, listen, we're going to kill you. We want to thrust you out. And I find that sometimes when I'm talking to people and I'm sharing to them about what I believe the will of God is and what I'm seeing, oh, and people just love it. Oh, Derek, your, your lips are just so gracious. You know, you, you're so graced with words. It's so beautiful. Until I poke on something, I poke the bear I put on something that they don't like, and then all of a sudden they want to stone me. And this is what sometimes accountability is about, because sometimes you've got to point out things, those, those, those blind spots, and you've got to say, listen, you're not as humble as you think you are, and then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, that elder Derek, oh my hat. You know what I mean? And it's amazing, but it's the same thing with Christ. When he preached his first message, people received him, marveled, and then all of a sudden they wanted to kill him. And here is something interesting. Then Jesus, watch this, he went to Capernaum. So he was in Nazareth, his own hometown. He starts to preach. They don't receive him well, but he goes to Capernaum. And I'm not going to read from 31 to 44 because it's quite a long uh, 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 piece of Scripture. But all of a sudden in Capernaum, you see in verse 33, an unclean demon manifested in Capernaum. 
And then, if you go and, 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 and look in verse 36, once again, um, you, the people in Capernaum, they were all amazed and spoke among themselves. All of a sudden, there was a marveling and amazing in verse 36. And once again, unclean spirits came out. And then verse 38, Jesus goes to um, Simon's house, and there he heals someone with a high fever. And so you see the demons coming out. People are getting healed. Um, in verse uh, 40, it says, when the sun was setting, all those that had had any sickness came to him. There were various diseases they brought to him. He laid hands on them, and they were being healed. And it's amazing to see all of a sudden in verse 41, demons coming out. And so now you look at verse, you look at uh, the count of Nazareth where there wasn't much happening. The moment Jesus goes to Capernaum, all of a sudden there's these signs and wonders and miracles. And it's an interesting thing to observe. And how do we find the secret in the scriptures? Sometimes you've got to look into the scriptures, you've got to begin after lungs crop to see what is actually going on. I want to take you quickly to Mark's account of the same thing in verse chapter 6. And this is Mark's account of Jesus. You'll, some of it's the same. And in Mark's account, all of it says, it's in verse 6, it says, Jesus left there and went to his own hometown. That all sounds familiar. And he was accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. There we are, back where they were amazed. Where did the man get these things, they asked? What's, what's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable um, um, miracles he's performing? Isn't he the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And then look at the next verse. And they took offense at him. And then Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, among his relatives, and in his own home. And then it says this. Watch this. This is Nazareth. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. And you know what's so incredible about this? If you consider for a moment Jesus coming to his own hometown, Nazareth, standing in front of them and saying, today it's fulfilled in your hearing what Isaiah prophet 700 years ago. And in his own hometown, Nazareth, under Mark's account, he could not do any miracles there because of their unbelief. They didn't receive his authority well. They never received him and who he was and the supremacy of Christ. They never received him well. But the moment he went to Capernaum, all of a sudden the miracles break out. All of a sudden demons are being healed. People are being set free. People, Amazing miracles take place. And then, of course, Jesus' incredible, amazing statement about the centurion. The centurion was in Capernaum. And what did Jesus say to the, to, 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 the, um, to the centurion? The centurion's servant was sick. And so this, um, um, he sent for Jesus. He said, Jesus, send for Jesus, let him come pray for my servant. Come pray for my servant. And you know what's so amazing to me? The centurion went on to say to Jesus, don't even come under my roof. Just speak the word. And then he says, I'm a man under authority. And I say to one, come and 
go and he comes and, he, and another one go and he goes. He's talking about the authority of Christ. He understood the authority. He received the authority of Christ well. And what was Jesus' statement? He says, I have never seen such great authority in all of Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many of you would want to be said of your life, I have never seen such great faith in all of Wellington? And what makes your faith great your understa- is your understanding of authority and receiving Christ well and receiving His words well. Why? Why? Because at the end of the day, if you look at the Word of, of God, Jesus is the supreme authority. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word came and dwelt amongst us. And so in our lives of accountability, we have to receive authority well. So, I want us to see something here. Sometimes we struggle in our walk with the Lord. We struggle and we struggle with sin and we struggle with answers and we struggle with direction. Because the person who's holding you accountable, who's coming to you and speaking to you the words of Jesus, you in many ways sometimes reject the words of Christ because I know, I know better. I, I want to do it my way. And I really believe God wants to highlight something. The reason why many of us don't have breakthroughs, why we don't see the miracles, why we don't see the breakthrough that God wants us to have is because we close our, our hearts and we shut our ears when it comes to people that are in authority speaking to us. And you know, if you look at quickly, when it comes to accountability and to, to authority, first of all, God's Word is the supreme authority. Am I right? God's Word is the supreme authority. It's that which we are submitted to. But God's Word comes through two ways, through you reading God's Word and your brother in the Lord that sits you down. It's like when I sit kneeling down and I say, kneeling, okay, I know you love your wife, but there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 that says, Love is patient, love is gentle, love is kind. We all know the scripture. And I hold up that word to Neelan. I say, okay, Neelan, this is how we're going to measure your love to Luhanri. How do I measure my love towards my wife? We hold up the word of God. We hold up the mirror of God. And we ask ourselves the question, are we submitted under the authority, the supremacy, the Word of God that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God? And by your submission to God is by being in obedience. We all know that the love language of Christ is obedience. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Do not say, Lord, Lord, uh, I did this in your name and that in your name. But did you obey me? Did you obey me? And so it's so important when it comes to accountability in life that we realize, firstly, we're accountable to God. And we read that in Romans 14, verse 12, where it says, Each one of us, every single one of us sitting here this morning, is going to give an account to God one day. We're going to be held accountable. We are accountable to one another 
And there's a submission in love to each other when it comes to accountability and holding each other's lives accountable. It's not kneeling being accountable to me because I'm an elder in the church, you know, and I glow in the dark, which I don't. I'm just going to put it out there, you know. It's, it's me being accountable to him. It's not just kneeling being in submission to me because I'm the elder of the church, you know. It's me being submitted to him. Submission goes mutually, and together we try to follow Christ and be submitted to the Lord. Because at the end of the God, God is going to hold us accountable to each other. So there's submission to leaders, and there's submission to elders, and there's submission to overseers, and there's submission to one another. That's why we have elders and deacons in the life of the church. And that's why we have community leaders, because we're in submission, we're in authority uh, one to another. You know, it's very interesting for me, is we live in a time when I don't think people really like authority. You know, I, I grew up very different to the youngsters you know, over here. I did. I grew up in the military, um, and I understood when my commanding officer said to me, Da gaat jy. Hey, waar's Frans? Da, da's Frans. Hey, as I say, Gert, da gaat jy. We all knew what that meant, am I right? There was no chat, chit chat, back chat, anything. If you, if he commanded you, you went. Do you know that we're in the army of God? Do you know that? Do you know that we don't enlist ourselves in civilian affairs? You know, Paul uses that uh, language, am I right? Or could have been Timothy as well. I don't know where the theological scholars are, but they might help me on that. But Jesus, God's word isn't a mere suggestion. God doesn't suggest to us, forgive. God doesn't suggest to us to lay down our offenses. It wasn't, it's not a suggestion. It's a command of God. It's a command of God. And for us to be a church that serves God well and is healthy and, in the, and, 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 and represents Christ well, we need to get these things right. You know, I want to tell you, in our day and age of respect and lack thereof, there's quite a funny story of an old lady she drove one of these old big Hudson Hornets. Now, those of you who don't know what a Hudson Hornet is, it's in the, you know, speed, the, the, the cars, um, the, 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 the traffic officer. Who was he old? Anyway, you know the Walt Disney movie? The cars movie. You know, he drives an old big Hudson Hornet. He's the, he's the traffic officer in the town. And, and it's a big old car. It's like a tank. And this old lady drove one of these things. She was a frail little old lady, and she was driving this thing to the mall. And I don't know if you've ever come to a mall and there's a parking place that's empty and there's a car standing like this facing wanting to go in. And she was coming from, and she went through, but she'd got there first. But on the other side, there was a youngster in his uh, Mercedes convertible. And so she was standing there waiting to go in. And this person pulled out. And what did the youngster do? Vroom! He just shot in in front of her. And this old lady that could barely see above her, her dashboard looked at this and thought, and next minute, he came, closed his door, sort of came swaggering out. And uh, she said, like, hey, you know, I was waiting. And his answer to her was like this. He said to her, man, when you're young and fast, you can do things like this. And off he went. 
And he hadn't gone about 100 meters. And then he heard this bang, 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 crash, bang. And in horror, he turned around and yells at this old lady and she was backing into his, into his Mercedes Benz. Bang, bang. He, she was crunching this vehicle. I mean, it was just like frommeled up. And she, he, she came screaming around his head. He said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she says, when you're old and rich, you can do things like this. <laughs> and, you know, in today's world, we live in a world that is so different when it comes to, you know, just culture and people and manners and the lack thereof and the lack of honoring in our culture. Um, you know... It's interesting to me, um, as an older guy in the congregation, I, I observe a lot. And it's amazing to me sometimes how people in our congregation, where I'm in the, the public space, I'm talking about I'm in a public space, and I'm sitting over there, and they'll walk right past me. I'm talking like where, 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 where Wesley is. And they just walk past. I'm the only guy standing there. I'm on my phone, whatever. And they won't even walk up to you and greet you. And I sit there and I said, sure, Lord, you know, is, is, this, is, is this what our culture is? As a father in the house that we don't even walk up to someone and greet them? Is that good manners? No, but, but you see it. People will walk, they'll see you in public. They'll walk right past you. And I mean, especially amongst the young people, I see this. And as a father in this house, I want to say to young people, youngsters, listen to me. Learn to have manners. Learn to be Christ-like. Jesus isn't only about praying, fasting, worshiping, and reading your Bible. It's how we reflect to the outside world. By this shall the whole world know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. I must tell you, it was when it was Errol's birthday. Where's Errol? Oh, there he is. It was Errol's birthday. I sent him a voice note. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to tell him what I said to him. I said to him, you know, Errol, you know what amazes me about you? You're a very spiritual guy. Love that about you. You love Jesus. Love that about you. But, you know, you come to my house. And the other night when we had the newbie supper, people were there. People coming, going. It's busy. There's a lot of people. And Errol's standing on my stoop. And he says, I'm about to, I'm going to go. He's talking to, I don't know, Reynard or whatever. He says, but I'm just going to go and say goodbye to Derek. What impeccable manners. You know, that blessed my heart so much. It's, he's such a gentleman that he doesn't just walk out of my house. And I've had it. I've done newbie suppers, many. I've had, I wonder how many people we've had through our house, lovey. 200 maybe, I don't know. Easy. Newbie suppers, uh, orientations done in my house. And people will come to my home, sit in my home, interact with me. It's time to go, just walk out the door. Zoop, hatala. And I just go, oh my goodness gracious, what is that? What, what? And, and, I'm, and what I'm doing this morning is I'm actually holding us to an account. Can you see that? I'm holding us into an account as a people of God. How do we respond? And it's not because I'm important that Errol has to come say goodbye to me. Not at all. But it's an honoring. It's an honoring. It's a culture of honoring. And if I may mention one young lady in our congregation now, if there's one young lady in this congregation, my son's getting married, so Matthew's 24, 25, he's getting married next year. And, um, but if I'd chosen someone for him, 
if he was four or five years younger, with which I believe is in, she has impeccable manners. I, I, it, it really has completely blown me away. Who do you think it is? I'll tell you. It's Emma. She has impeccable manners. It's so beautiful, Emma. I mean, I'm putting you a bit on the spot, girl, but you know what, eh? You will, you will, God will give you the most amazing man. Listen to what I'm telling you. He'll give you the most amazing man. Watch. Don't sell yourself short. Because now, you, we're talking about manners, and you people might ask, what does that got to do? But it's the way we live our lives as believers. And, you know, if, if, if some of the youngsters in this church can't even show me respect as an elder, it's 55 years old in public, how does he going to ever respect or she respect the teachers? Or the authority, or people. If 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 they can't show honor and respect to people that they know, how do they respect and honor the people outside there? It's a question to be asked to all of us. So well done, Emma. Well done, girl. Parents raised you beautifully. You know, in this week, accountability. We're talking about accountability, holding each other to account the way we live our lives. Let me tell you, in this week where I made a mistake, let me confess my sin. I don't know if it's sin, but let me confess what I did this week. So, this week, um, there was a situation at work, and we were busy appointing someone into the office, uh, in, into, into the company over there. And I had to make a call to our financial manager. And I'm in my car, and I'm speaking on the phone, so I'm speaking loudly, you know. I'm trying to get this message across to her. But I'd been frustrated because sometimes people say something, but they don't always follow through with it. And in conversation to her, I men mentioned my business partner, Fred, who I love, my big Fred. Fred, my big Fred. If you're listening, Fred, you, my big teddy bear Fred. I love him. I love this guy. He's my partner. But when I mentioned it to Angelique, I said to her, yeah, like sometimes Fred, sometimes Fred says something and he should and the moment I said it, I was speaking about him, but he wasn't present. And, you know, at the end of the day, we ended our conversation. About two days later, I felt in the Holy Spirit to send her a voice note. And I sent her a voice note. And I said, you know, Angelique, I'm busy preparing on accountability. And I want to hold my own life accountable. Accountable. I've mentioned Fred. And, and the way I mentioned it, it was so slight. She, her, her response was me, not necessary at all. But I hold myself to a high account. To a high, the question I want to ask, is Fred's name safe in my mouth? That's the question I want to ask. And I want to ask you, when you speak, about people, is, your, is their name safe in your mouth? Is their name safe in your mouth? I want to hold this congregation to account on these things. When I'm talking about Mo, and Mo's not present, can he know that his name is safe in my mouth? When I talk about people, now I don't know about you, but the Lord has been very much challenging me on these things. Because you see, God is busy doing a purifying work in us. And these things are important. I mean, the service is important. The worship, the healings, it's important. The jumping up and down, it's important. It's all, but I want to hold us to account. Is, 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 is people's names safe in the mouth? And I, fa I have failed in this area of my life. Difficult. I find it difficult because I've got to talk about people sometimes. And I'm always going to ask myself the question, is, is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? And I want to ask you guys as well. 
You know, how, how often when we, when, we, when we speak to people, people see us through that lens. And, you know, someone might know me and know you, and in conversation with you, talk about me, and then you change your lens about me. And you don't know me. You've never fit, sat down with me. You've never really came to talk to me. You, you've never engaged with me, but you've got a lens about me. You've got a lens about me. And I want, to, I want to caution ourselves when it comes to accountability. Hold your life accountable. Be careful when you speak about people. I walked into an office once uh, in, my, in the work environment, and there was a young lady sitting there, and I said to her, can I speak to you for a moment? Now, she hardly knew me. She nearly jumped that high off the chair. And her eyes went this big. And she says, what do you want? What do you want? She was, she was visibly afraid because I was the director in that company. And so with directorship comes authority. And I was completely blown away because I thought, but you, I don't think I've said 10 words to you in my life. I mean, this is a big company. It was over 1,000 people. So it wasn't as if I interacted with her. So we went and sat down in a boardroom and I said, tell me your story. And you know what she said to me? She said this to me. She says, you know, when I joined this company however many years ago, someone in this company pulled me aside and said this. He says, if there's somebody you need to be afraid of, it's Derek. Be careful of him. And that was her lens. That was her lens. Now, I know why the person said that, of course, because they had an offense against me and that, 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 that constructed something. But, but what I'm saying is she'd seen me through a lens and yet she didn't know me. And eventually, after time of speaking with her, she calmed down and she settled down. And, and, and then she could see my heart. She says, she says, and this was her words to me. She looked at me. She says, you are everything, everything opposite to what that person says. She says, I actually can't believe it. She says, I've been living for three years with this lens. She says, you're everything other than that. She says, actually, in fact, I've watched you from afar. And I've been puzzled. But I wasn't sure. So watch when we speak about people, just make sure that we're safe in people's mouths. Can we hold ourselves to account with that? I want to just talk quickly about, um, let's get my glasses so I can just see the scripture here. In 1 Peter 2 verse 5, it talks that we are living stones being built up. The scripture, Peter talked about we are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. And you know when we build, I want to show you something quickly. This is a, this is a water pass here, a little one. But when we build in our lives spiritually, I love this analogy um, when I teach people on this. The, the spirit level is the Holy Spirit of, in life. The Holy Spirit in my analogy. And we can look at this wall and we can go, okay, I think the wall is straight. Am I right? I think it looks straight. And then we walk up to the wall and then we put it in and no, it's not straight. I don't know who built the wall, but it's not, it's not spirit level. Why? Because the, the bobble in the middle, it doesn't need to be a line kissing. And so we can hold up the spirit level, or the analogy of the Holy Spirit. So when we, when we look at our lives, we can pick on someone that hopefully isn't insecure. Let's say, let's try, I was going to, yeah, let's try Wes. And we can make a statement in life, you know, and we, can, and we can hold up the spirit level, you see, and we can go, 
Okay, he might say to me, ah, it's not really necessary to come to church. We can just watch it online. <laughs> you see, because, because if I hold up the bobble key to the Word of God, the Word of God says do not neglect the, the assemblies of the believers, you see. How, how are we going to hold each other accountable? How are we going to ask iron can shop and iron if it's just you and Jesus in your little room in your Bible? Can, can you see that? So, so when a statement is said, when he, he can say something to me, when people speak to me, I'm all the time, I'm holding up the spirit level up inside of me, the Holy, this, this Holy Spirit level, I'm going, eh, okay. And that's what we talk about accountability, is that we hold up the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit inspired this Word. The Holy Spirit inspired the Word for us to hold us, what? Accountable in each other's lives. And there's a few statements that I want to just read um, in ending off over here. It says over here, why be accountable? Why? Number one, if we didn't need to be accountable we would live far lesser lives. Think about that for a moment. If we aren't held to account, we would live far lesser lives. In other words, the lives that we live would not reflect Christ as well as if we are when we are being held to account. Secondly, we want to live our lives that honor and bring glory to Christ. Am I right? We want to live a life. And to be able to live this life that brings glory to Christ and honors who He is, that people say, there go the people of God. You have to live a certain way. Whether it's your manners, whether it's the way you honor people, whether it's where you hold people's names safe in your mouth, when you're in business and you're in front of people, the way you portray yourself in public life. For people to desire God. They need to see God and how God has changed you. You've got to be different to the world. Just being kind shows that you're different to the world. Just being a blessing in business, not always trying to get it for the cheapest price possible, shows people there's something about you. Number three is one I really like. It says this. It says, every believer, say, say to yourself, that's me. Say, this is me. Me, I need this. Every believer needs at least one person who will pull no punches and speak the truth in love. Every believer needs at least one person who will pull no punches and speak the truth in love. Sure, that's a difficult one, am I right? That's very, very difficult. I recently sat with an elderly gentleman, more than 80 years old. And I sat at him and I looked him in his eyes. I've known him for 15 years. And I said to him, do you know that I love you? Yeah. I looked at him again. I said, do you know that I love you? He says, yes. And the reason why I was making sure, because I'm about to drive a load over the bridge, I'm about to tell him something. And I said this to him. I said, do you know that you think you're a good person, but you're not? Who here thinks I'm a good person? Raise your hand. Who here thinks I'm a good person? 
Tian, whatever, whatever. Okay, you're all wrong. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. I've broken all ten of the commandments. Does that shock you? You know, the Bible, Jesus says this, if you break one, you've broken them all. So if I've just stolen something as a little boy, if I've just stolen something, I've broken all the commandments. You see, we think we're good people, but in actual fact, we will stand before the judge of all the earth one day. And we're actually guilty. That's why we need Jesus. And it's only because of Jesus. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, and this is the message I spoke to this elderly gentleman. I said, I know you think you're a good guy and all of this. I said, but I'm going to hold a mirror up, but it's a two-way mirror. And as I see the sin in your life and hold you to account, I'm declaring the sin in my life and holding myself to account. And so, yes, I can say I'm a good person. But am I morally good according to the law of God? No, I've morally failed. And when I stand before God one day, because I asked him, so when you stand before God one day, what are you going to say to him? He says, I'm going to say, have mercy on me. I said, that's a good thing. I said, but remember, he's a judge. So if Wesley murders someone in a fit of rage, and he's pulled in front of a judge, and now the judge hears his story, and Wesley says to him, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry for what I did. I was having a bad day. He pulled in front of me. I jumped out. He jumped out. I punched him. I didn't know I was going to hit him straight in the nose. I didn't know it was going to go. I didn't know it was going to hit through his brain. I didn't know he was going to drop dead. I have killed him. The judge, please have mercy on me. The judge will say to him, you're right. You're guilty. But for me to be a just judge and a good judge, I need to hold you accountable. So... You've got to go to jail. Can you see that? And one day when we stand before the God of all earth, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. If there isn't the atonement of Christ, if you can't look to Jesus and declare that Jesus is the one that paid the price, because the judge will say to him, you know what, Wesley, there's a fine, and the fine is whatever, but someone has paid it for you. That's the message of the gospel, you see. That's the message of Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. And I was holding this gentleman to the account of what? The account of his salvation before God. And many times we've got to hold each other to account, whether it's our salvation, the when we walk with the God, how we walk, but we've got to hold each other to account. And I'm finishing up over here. I want to say that everyday decisions matter to God. Everyday decisions Everything you do matters to God. Children at school, how you teach, treat your teachers actually matters to God. The way you live your lives. Children, the way you treat your parents matters to God. Be careful how you treat your parents. The Word of God says, honor your father and your mother that it might go well with you. Honor, children, honor. Remember God's Word is eternally true. Remember that, and the way you live your life is important before the Lord. Husbands, be accountable as how you treat your wife and your children. Husbands, be accountable. Be held to account. 
how you treat your wives. Gentlemen, don't think that you're going to get away with the way you treat your wife. Please hear me. Jesus is going to hold you accountable. Why? Because he says, husband, love your wife. How? As Christ loves the church. Is that a suggestion? No. It's a command of Jesus to hold your wife. And ladies, you can pick on yourselves in your Frauer conferences, my friend. I, I once said this, at a, and I'm ending on this last piece, I once said this at a, at a men's uh, uh, breakfast one morning, uh, and Marnus reminded, it, reminded me of it. I said to them, I said, you know, I'm never really impressed how well you preach, like, you know, holding the mic, or how well you lead the church, or how well you pray. That's not what pre impresses me. I want to know how well you treat your wife at home. If you really want to impress me, I want to know. In other words, it's easy. You know, I can get up here at this mic, and I can hold you all to account, and I've mentioned a number of things to this morning, and I've told you where I've failed and confessed my sin before the congregation. And, 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 and I, can, I, can, I can appear to be a person up here. I can, I can be somebody up here. But it's how I treat Teresa at home for me that will really reflect whether I serve him well. And, and through my life, unfortunately, I'm, you know, the last lesson, it's now, I think, 50 years in the church. You know how many people I've seen behind this mic uh, fail? I'm talking and treat their wives terribly. And, and I've seen too many. Because oftentimes in the charismatic movement, it was all about the gifting, how gifted you were, the anointing. And you know what? We need that. We, we, we need the anointing, my brother. We do. But, but you know, at the end of the day, character, character, character becomes important. So I want to end off on that in regards to character, the way you speak in public, the way you Treat your brother in the Lord, your sister in the Lord. Accountability. Hold one another to account. Not out of a lordship of authority of, I'm going to hold you, Julian, to account. You know, because you, young man. You know, not like that. But, you know, the Bible says your heart's attitude when you're correcting someone or encouraging someone or holding someone to account is one of gentleness. Gently restore the man that has fallen in sin. Gently restore the man that has fallen in sin. Don't go and, and get on his case. Gently restore him. That's the way of the Lord. So I really felt, you know, um, I said a lot of things this morning, but I really felt when we touched on this in the camp, and I, and I felt through the fast, God starting to surface stuff and offenses, the way we deal with offenses. And, and I could have gone that way this morning as well. But, but I, want to do, I want us to hold ourselves uh, uh, to account that we all live a life that reflects Jesus Christ well in uh, the way we deal with people, the way we talk about people. Amen? Amen? Amen.
That's what I had in my heart for us this morning, just as a father in the house. I wanted to share this about you. I think it's something we can talk about in communities, Mo. And let us reflect Christ well. Let us be a people that reflect Jesus well. Amen? I wonder if we could just, um, just bow your heads for a moment. I, I just want to... Oh. Jesus. Now, Father, I pray, Lord, uh, that we'd be a people that hold each other to account, Lord, um, the way we live, the way we speak, the way we do business, Lord, that we'd be hold one another to account. For, Father, we will give an account to you one day, Lord Jesus. We're going to stand before you and give an account to you, Lord. Father, I pray you help us, Father, to, to reflect you well, Jesus. To be a people that love each other, Lord, and care about each other. That we're a family that looks out for each other, Lord. Help us to do better, Lord, um, in holding each other to account. And I just want to ask you this morning, and, and, and I'm going to make this very quick, but I, I just want to make sure... If, if, if you're needing that we pray this morning for you in the area of maybe you've served the Lord. You walked away, you, 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 you're almost like a prodigal in a sense, a prodigal son. Um, and you feel that you need to just... Make sure your relationship is right. That your verhouding with God right is for Maybe, maybe you've taken up a fence, and you haven't dealt well with the fence, and you need to make sure that your heart is right before the Lord. Maybe you've listened to me this morning, and as I've been speaking, you realize maybe your heart's not right. Maybe it's not even right towards me. Maybe things that I've said to you or done. I don't know. But I feel the Lord just, I don't, and I don't, think the, I don't feel that, you know, I want people to come forward or anything like that. I, I just feel in my heart that if, if, if there's something in you where you haven't represented Christ well, and you're not sure, maybe, you're not even sure, maybe, your verhouding met God, you're not even sure that you're not even sure that you're not even sure because it's quite a weighty word. It's not a moeilike word om not to luister, let's be honest. But if that's you this morning, and you want me to just include you in a prayer, so you need to go your hand Just pop your hand up. Let me just have a look. All over. I see hands going up all over. All over. Okay, right. All over. I can just see God speaking to people. All over. Okay, amen. Okay. I wonder if we could all stand. Um, was it Anaïville? You need to go.